Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up! Podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and 24-7 Sports. It's powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and with me, as always, is my partner in crime. You know him. You love him. As your Denver Broncos reporter for 24-7 Sports, he is Zach Kelberman. Zach, we were going to kind of mail this this particular episode in in terms of kind of skipping it, waiting until Friday to record again, drop some knowledge for everyone to listen to on Saturday, but the you-know-what kind of hit the fan during John Elway's pre-draft press conference on Tuesday, which precipitated a necessity for us to get together and analyze what's going on with Chris Harris. Yeah, what a turn that was, Chad. I mean, Elway's comments are pretty straightforward, but then, you know, Harris pulled the only card out of his deck in posturing and negotiating by doing what he did, and I don't blame him. I'm of the opinion, and so are you, we have been for a while, that he deserves to get paid. Unfortunately, it's not looking like his value aligns with what Elway thinks he's worth. So we're in for a long standoff here, it looks like. Absolutely. We're going to dive into it. We're going to analyze the entire soap opera that it has become over the last couple of days. But first, just a couple of quick reminders, you guys. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter. Easy to do, at HuddleUpPod. It is the best way to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the Huddle Up podcast in real time. And then also a reminder, you guys, we're giving away a piece of Mile High Huddle swag to the best review on iTunes. And it can be a review that's in the past, but if you have not rated and reviewed the show on iTunes, this is your call to action to hurry and take care of that. Because on Friday, when Zach and I get together to record the episode for Saturday, we're going to, at that point, announce what we have chosen to be our favorite review amongst the uh you know we're hoping to get to 200 right now we're sitting at 162 so we're gonna whatever we're at by the time we record on friday we're gonna choose our favorite one and find a way to get in touch with that listener and give away this swag so if you haven't taken time to do that help us out help yourself out by getting into the running for this swag and also just a a little tease as well once the draft settles down zach and i have fully planned to put together a uh, an offering of sorts of swag for the Huddle Up podcast. Some hats, some shirts, some swag. We're putting some stuff together. We're going to roll that out during the dead time of the summer, so look forward to that. But again, last call to action before the draft. Make sure you go and leave your creative review on the Huddle Up podcast on iTunes. Give us that five-star rating, and you might get that free piece of swag. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. 
They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Zach. So let's set the stage for just a minute here because John Elway, of course, he was originally scheduled. We had our whole podcast planned out. We were going to analyze it. He was scheduled Monday originally, but then the plan changed and he took to the podium on Tuesday. And what came out was mostly, you know, just a bunch of uh, posturing. He didn't really let much slide as he even said to open up the, uh, the press conference. It's one of the most, you know, pointless pressers of the NFL calendar, but it is mandated by the NFL that GMs hold a pre-draft press conference. And so Elway stands up and he does his thing. And it's mostly, again, it's mostly just BS. He's just kind of uh, ducking questions, not really fully answering anything. And then it kind of swings around after a minute to Chris Harris Jr. And, of course, he gives out his obligatory, Zach, you know, hey, we haven't got to that yet. We'll tackle that. I've been so busy with the draft, paraphrasing Elway here, but we're going to tackle it and talk to Chris after the draft with an interest. The way he punctuated that, Zach, I'm going to play a clip for our listeners, but the way he punctuated that statement is what basically triggered the reaction. Here's what he said real quick. I don't have time right now. So we're busy with the draft, and and, uh, we'll talk about Chris. He's on the contract, and so we'll talk about that uh, when the draft's over. But I just want you to say something. When I say this, I said we're going to talk about it. That doesn't mean we're going to do anything. All right, Zach. So we'll we'll dive into this. But first off, what was your? How did you interpret that? Because he didn't have to say that. You could tell that the media had kind of been satisfied with what he said. It's almost like they were clamoring to ask the next question. And then he said, "Wait, wait, wait! Before you ask me anything else, by the way, I said we're going to talk about it. That doesn't mean we're doing anything." Exactly. That's that's a great way to put it. And it, he was a little contentious, it seemed like, in that last sentence. It, it you know it, it was a very different tone that he struck. He could have easily left it off like he did at the Combine, he did at the owners' meetings where he said, we're going to explore Chris after the draft, we want him to remain in Denver. But he said there's no guarantee that we're going to get a deal done. To me, that's all negotiating, Chad. That's a power play right there. The Broncos have the leverage, Elway has the leverage, he knows it and he's exercising it. I'm not surprised that he said it, but I'm surprised in the tone in which he said it, you know? Well, he's contradicting himself because I can't recall now that I'm thinking about it, but it was either at the, 
I think it was either the Combine or the Vic Fangio press conference, one of the two, in which he was asked specifically about Harris, and he said, yeah, that's a deal that we'd like to get done. But, you know, originally he said, of course, we're going to look at it and talk about it after free agency. And then at free agency, he kicked the can down the road till after the draft. But he's contradicting himself for the sake of posturing, as you said, for negotiating posture, right? But he's already told us publicly, he's already said publicly to the fans, to the media, and then, of course, to Chris Harris's camp that it is a deal we want to get done. And then here he is on basically the doorstep of the time frame in which he said he's going to tackle this thing, saying, but we're not necessarily saying we're going to actually get a deal done. Uh, if if Chris Harris Jr. wants fifteen million dollars a year, then I'm not surprised that he said that. He knew going into this press conference what his agents wanted. He knew the the baseline. He knew he wanted more than Kareem Jackson, much more. And Elway's not about to go there. And it's just uh, it's it's a business. It, it it sends to me a bad message though. I put this on Twitter. I've said this on a, on the pod a few times. That you come in, you lead the Broncos. You're an undrafted free agent. You become a Pro Bowl or a star. You bust your ass. And then what? You want to be paid, and he says, hit the road, or we'll pay you what you, we think you're worth. We'll continue lowballing you. He took a hometown discount once. He's severely underpaid. He's the game's best slot cornerback. He's entering his uh, age 30 campaign, but he still has many great years ahead of him. That leg injury is not anything worth a concern. I just don't understand the the positive that he's setting, the optics of making Chris Harris Jr. wait and sending the message to the rest of the locker room that if you want to get a second contract here, you want to get a big deal here, it's not going to be without a fight. It's going to be tooth and nail with John Elway, who values money, and he hoards it like gold, Chad. So I think it ultimately will get done. I don't see Chris Harris Jr. being traded, though it's certainly trending in that direction. But even if it does work out, like the same thing with Von Miller, it's always going to be fractured to an extent. I think this next contract, if he signs here, Chad, Chris Harris Jr., it's his last one after that he's gone. Well, I mean, let's 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 kind of set this, this stage here in chronological order because Elway says that, and then a couple hours later the report breaks from, from Adam Schefter that Chris Harris Jr.'s camp has informed the Broncos to that they need to pay him, they need to get this deal done, or he is asking for a trade. Okay, that's all we know at that point. We're like, wow, okay. We know publicly. We don't necessarily at this point know what he's asking for specifically, but now we know that he's at least given the team an ultimatum, which is a big step, right? I mean, that's in and of itself. That's a huge step toward the direction of you want to talk about fracturing, you want to talk about creating a possible conflict. He is under contract, and that is taking a major step toward that type of an outcome. And then, not long after, Mike Kliss, the mouthpiece of the Denver Broncos, wades into the fray, and he says, basically, he, he lets slip that he's asking for $15 million a year. Now, let's put that into context. The highest-paid corner in the NFL today is Josh Norman making $15 million. So what Chris Harris Jr. is saying is, look, I was the number three-rated cornerback in the league last year. I'm coming off a Pro Bowl season, the fourth of my career. I've been to three. Uh, I've been named to three All-Pro teams, and I helped the Broncos win a Super Bowl. I want to be paid as well as the number one top-paid corner in the NFL. Now, if you're John Elway, you like you, you know, and I think it was Troy Rank. We talked to him a little bit when we were at the combine. <clears throat> he reported afterwards that John Elway and the Chris Harris uh, camp had met to at least explore some talks at the combine about a, a, a contract extension. So at that point, we it's pretty safe to assume Elway at least had an idea 
of what Harris was going to be asking for. Then some time passes, and, and Kareem Jackson, you know, free agency rolls around. Jackson gets signed 31 years old to $11 million per year by the Denver Broncos. And now Harris is licking his lips. He might start having some doubts in terms of where do I fit into this. And then Callahan gets signed for $7 million a year. We know that at this point, Chris Harris Jr. has to be thinking bare minimum, bare minimum, I need at least, you know, $11.5 million a year because I – I'm worth more than Kareem Jackson. On the open market, he's very easily worth more than Kareem Jackson, not just because of his age, but because of the quality of player that he is. Time goes on, time goes on, and now he's saying publicly $15 million. Now, if you're John Elway, I think you probably believe you can get a deal done for less than $15 million a year right now, but you got to come to the table, Zach, with some alacrity. you got to try and get something done and appease the player who has – made some sacrifices for this team. I mean, we can talk about the contributions that he's made. I just laid that out. But also the fact that on his previous contract extension, at which he was just beginning to hit his stride as a, as a premier player in this league, Zach, he accepted less than market value. He gave John Elway uh, a discount to remain in Denver, and he has suffered through three poor down years and at times inept years incompetent coaching at times, questionable direction from the front office. He has suffered through that. His play has not slipped. He made the Pro Bowl last year. So now I think it's time for John Elway to get this thing done. And even though momentum picked up on uh, on Wednesday night, it felt like all the buzz we were hearing and even from some sources around the league, it seemed like it was almost, okay, that ship has sailed. Harris is getting traded. It's imminent. He pumped the brakes on that, Zach, publicly on Wednesday. He, he got with Mike Kliss and said, no, 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 this thing can be fixed. In fact, you had the report on that. Yeah, to me, that's also another posturing move. Is, is, you know, he has this sudden positive outlook now, and even Kliss asked him, what would it take? He said uh, the relationship with the Broncos, uh, Chris Harris Jr., it could be salvaged, he said. And Kliss asked him, how can it be salvaged? And he said, you know how. So it all comes down to money. And that ultimatum that he had, that was the only card in his deck that he can play. That or hold out because he's still under contract. But he knows the Broncos have all the leverage. It's funny to me, though, that Russell Wilson in the middle of April can hold out and want this record-setting deal and no one bats an eyelash. But Chris Harris Jr. wants a little more money and suddenly he's vilified. I know it's quarterback and cornerback, but this is a guy who's almost as valuable to the Broncos as as Wilson is to the Seahawks. 7.8 for Chris Harris Jr. is comical. It's ridiculous. To me, Kareem Jackson's a nice player. $11 million was the going rate, but Chris Harris Jr. is much better. He's not just a slot guy. He's an outside guy. He can blitz. He can stop the run. He does it all. To me, it sounds like he was so angry that the Broncos gave him a a slap in the face offer. Maybe something like $10 million below Kareem Jackson. It has to be commiserate with what his pay is. 15 a little too high. But is there anyone with a brainstem who watches the NFL and can say that Josh Norman is better than Chris Harris Jr.? I can't. Yeah. 15 a little pricey, but you've got to at least compensate him for what he's done and what he will do in the future. The idea that John Elway has been too busy to get a deal done. I mean, let's think about this for just a minute, okay? If you're a GM, if you're a front office czar in the NFL – your busiest time of the year, I mean, it is this time, but like every you you plan your entire calendar around the off season, knowing that's when you're going to be the busiest. Because during the regular season, you got Tuesday tryouts, and other than that, as a GM, Zach, what in the Sam Hill are you really doing? You're sitting <laughs> on your thumbs. It's not like the draft snuck up on them either, you no. know. And nor did free agency. So this, the idea that I don't have time to visit this. 
it's all BS. The Broncos mm-hmm. know full well what they are willing to do in terms of extending Chris Harris, what type of contract they're willing to meet within a ballpark, right? And maybe that's what has stalled this is when they met at the Combine, they heard a 14 or $15 million number and went, mm, you know, because it'd be one thing, and here's where I, I, I can understand Elway's perspective. Harris is going to be 30 this summer, right? It'd be one thing if this was the type of money Chris Harris was after back when he signed that team-friendly deal, whatever it was, 2014, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. It'd be one thing if, you know, because at that point he's in his mid-20s, he's just entering technically his prime, you can, it's a pretty safe bet to give a player that money who's trending upward. Hitting 30 right now, I can understand why the Broncos don't want to go all the way up to 15 or why that would give them pause, but you just gave Kareem Jackson at 31 right. 11 million. So that argument kind of goes out the window in terms of trying to understand the rationale that John Elway might have in terms of, you know, pumping the brakes, giving this thing pause. The reality is Chris Harris Jr. is worth that money. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now it's, you know, the Broncos are in a weird situation because on one hand you're paying a non-quarterback franchise quarterback money already in Von Miller, who's making something close to 25 million this year. And to say, I'm paying two defensive positions, top of the line, number one money at their respective positions on the same roster, on the same 53. I mean, it's a lot to ask, but at the same time, that's been your philosophy as a GM. Ever since you got blown out in Super Bowl 48, your entire philosophy has been defense first. It wins championships. It paid dividends for Elway when he turned the ship around in 2014 by signing Aqib Tlaib, DeMarcus Ware, and TJ Ward, followed the next year by uh, Darian Stewart. Brandon Marshall started hitting his stride. It paid dividends by winning the Super Bowl, and Elway's continued to invest on that side of the ball so it shouldn't really go against his core philosophy, Zach, in terms of paying a cornerback who's worth it. It's not like we're talking about paying, uh, you know, even Aqib Tlaib at this point, who's a couple years older uh-huh. than Harris. We're talking about Harris who's just hitting 30. You know, maybe it sh- you shorten the term, right? Maybe you go, well, we're a little bit worried because you are hitting your 30s. You're asking for a max contract. And so maybe we do, we do a three-year deal. I think Harris could live with that if he's making the $15 million, he gets that guaranteed money and, and that signing bonus. Yeah, and it, it, it's one point about Elway. It's not that he didn't have time. It's that he didn't care. Harris has not and is not a priority for John Elway, and Elway demonstrated that when he handed Kareem Jackson $11 million, and then we talked about it at the time. When you sign Bryce Callahan, who's almost the same player as Chris Harris Jr., the same kind of slot player, and give him $7 million a year, and you already have an all-pro holding out for more money, it's said to me right then that he was backburning Chris Harris Jr. He didn't care. And to the point about his salary— I, like I said, 15's a little high because they're paying so much money on defense already. But Josh Norman's turning 32 this season. He's making 15. It, it is reasonable. It can be done. It is the going rate. That's just how it is in the NFL. That's why every new quarterback always usurps the last quarterback. I mean, Chris Harris Jr., he deserves it. There's no two ways about it. But I agree with you. I think a short-term deal is more likely than like a five- or six-year deal. He'll want to cash in again in his mid-30s while he's still in his prime. One more good payday, and he'll get there. I just don't know if it will happen in Denver based on how fractured these talks have been with John Elway. I don't think, you know, like Von Miller, I don't think Harris saw this coming. I didn't think he would have to go through such hardships just to be properly compensated for what he's put in. I don't know, man. I think somewhere for Elway, I think he probably hoped 
or maybe even expected. It was just kind of innate. He expected that this wasn't a conversation he really would have to visit until this time next year because it's not like, I mean, Harris is under contract for 2019. So he was probably hoping this wasn't really something he'd have to completely focus his attention on until 2020. And Harris is forcing the issue, right? Harris is saying, no, I'm not going to allow that to happen. I want clarity on my future now. But the one thing I'll slightly disagree with your take on, Zach, is that the idea that, I guess it's not so much a disagreement, but more of mitigating the conversation here is that it has fractured, right? It does feel like hard feelings are starting to be created in this back and forth and all this posturing. But I think that Harris made it pretty clear by talking to Cliss and allowing to go on record that he is trying to kind of pump the brakes and dial this thing back a little bit, that he doesn't, he's not necessarily wanting out of Denver. He wants to stay. He wants to find some way to, you know, come to some kind of an accord with Elway. But Elway has to has to meet him in the middle a little bit in terms of not only the dollars, but the time frame. All right. He needs to get this thing done quickly. And I start to wonder, Zach, you know, how much that tweet from Adam Schefter on Tuesday evening, how much of that was Chris and how much of that was his agent? Because for Harris to come out himself less than 24 hours later to the mouthpiece of the team and say, whoa, no, 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 hold on. You know, I do want to stick around, you know, pump the brakes a little bit here after how hardcore, so to speak, and direct and assertive that tweet was from Schefter that I'm wondering if there was some kind of disconnect there between the agent trying to push his agenda and Harris maybe not necessarily either greenlining it, rubber stamping it, or maybe having second thoughts the next day. Well, Ian, Ian Rappaport uh, reported earlier today that the Broncos front office and uh, Harris's agent, Fred Lyles, actually got into an argument over negotiations. And I have no doubt in my mind that tweet last night was agent driven and it was a direct response to Elway's comments. That's all it was. I happen to think that Harris or his camp, they panicked a little bit, though. They shouldn't have come on that strong. They should have let the draft play out. The Broncos, I don't think, are going to target a corner in the first couple rounds. They would have got something done. But Elway doesn't respond well to ultimatums. He doesn't respond well to, to people telling him it's not going to be his way or the highway. So I don't think he should have come out that strong. Hours after Elway made those comments, it was fairly transparent to me. But I agree with you that it was definitely agent-driven. And all we can yeah. do now is just go through the negotiating process. So what do you think, Let's for our listeners' sake, many of whom have really been wringing their hands over the last 24 hours, and by the time they listen to this podcast Thursday, it'll be a full couple of days of just not knowing what's going to happen. What's your prediction? I'll, I'll <sighs> save mine, but what do you? how do you expect this to play out when it's all said and done? I, I want to say that the Broncos will come to their senses and at least make him a, a nice offer, maybe somewhere in the $13 million range. But based on their salary cap and based on the way things are trending— I would not be surprised at this point if he's flipped during the draft for a third-round draft pick. I just think if Elway wanted to re-sign him, he would have re-signed him already. He wouldn't have made those comments yesterday. And uh, Chris Harris Jr. actually came out a little while ago and said he expects something to get resolved soon. So that could mean a trade. He knows something's in the works. It's either an extension or a trade. Uh, you know, my my heart wants an extension, but I think my brain at this point is telling me a trade is in the works. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's safe to say the quality of player that Harris is, I think everyone is hoping that a deal can get done for him to stick around. And trying to take off the orange-colored glasses and look at this rationally, you know, I think that, and just from what I've been told, VIP members at milehighhuddle.com, 24-7 Sports, know kind of the timeline on the trade talks and who's shown interest and 
what the Broncos would really, what it would take, in other words, to pry Harris's rights away from the Broncos. Even with all that being known, I think this gets done. I think Harris coming out on Wednesday and showing the front office from a public relations perspective, from an optics perspective that, hey, look, hold on. I do want to stay. I do want things to work out. I want to remain in Denver. I want to be a Bronco. I think Elway will appreciate that. I think that'll dial it back a little bit and buy him some time to figure this out. And I do believe right now that in terms of the next four-day window, the Elway is consumed with the draft. I mean, but to say the last couple of weeks or months that he's been too busy, that's a farce. That's complete BS. If he wanted to get a deal done, he easily could have gotten a deal done. Yeah. But he hasn't. He's dragged his feet because I think he really didn't, in his in his heart of hearts, he was hoping that he could continue to put this on the back burner for possibly midseason or even 2020. But Harris has interjected in a public way, and now it's an issue. And I think the signs that that Harris has kind of taken steps forward after you know that that tweet from Schefter Tuesday evening, then they come back on it Wednesday. I my gut is telling me that something's going to get done, and I think it'll happen over the over the weekend, maybe like a Monday press conference or something, Monday breaking news, something like that. But I don't think you're going to see the Broncos trade him, and I don't think that the Broncos are going to draft a cornerback in rounds one, two, or three. Yeah, I think Elway kind of knew that Harris would want a new contract. He wouldn't play out the final year of his deal and be in a walk year. But once Harris stayed away from the offseason program, that sent a big message to Elway that said, he's serious now. He dug his heels in and it's serious now. I mean, now it's a full-on standoff. So it became really, really real for Elway then. And I don't think he responded in in a positive way. He responded in a combative way. And just one thing to keep in mind is just because it has resulted in or devolved into a kind of combative situation that doesn't necessarily mean Elway doesn't want to find a way to keep Chris Harris because that's how it shook out with Demarius Thomas to an extent. That's how it shook out with Vaughn Miller. And they eventually came to an accord. This one, I don't think from a time perspective, you know, Elway doesn't have the benefit of a franchise tag. Even though Harris is under contract, I just think the momentum of this thing, it, it warrants a timely resolution. And so I would expect something something to move on this within the next week, one way or another. Like, if he's going to get traded, it's going to happen in the next four days. And uh, if if not, I think a, a, a deal is going to get done ultimately. That's my, that's my prediction, is that a deal will get done, and it's probably going to happen within the next week or so of real time. But we still want to uh, touch on what we expect to happen round one of the draft, which most of you listening, this is Thursday. So what's going to happen this evening at pick 10 for the Denver Broncos? We're going to dive into that. But first, we've got to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Zach. So with the Chris Harris drama in the rear view for now, at least as it relates to the show, let's turn our attention to the other big issue on the minds of Broncos country, which is the NFL draft. After all the speculation, after all of the, you know, projections and spitballing and smoke screens, it's here. 
the draft is here and the Denver Broncos hold the 10th overall pick. I want to, I think this was as good a mock as in as accurate and well sourced and vetted type of mock that you're going to find on the internet as it relates to your Denver Broncos. Our Eric Trickle, who all our listeners know quite well, he's our senior draft analyst at Mile High Huddle. He's been with me since 2013, actually. He's worked for me. And I've seen him grow as a scout in the NFL draft community. I've seen him grow as a an analyst and reporter in terms of creating contacts around the league. He's done a great job to forge relationships with different front offices, with scouts in the scouting community. And when I say the scouting community, I'm not just talking about draft nicks in media. I'm talking about actual scouts who work for NFL teams. And Zach, he published, Eric published, uh, his final seven-round ro- seven mock draft of the offseason. And in so doing, before he sat down and went through the mock, he spent time contacting his his people around the league and the people he knows close to the Broncos and running by scenarios and what he's thinking and bouncing that off of people, what they think, to try and give as close to an accurate of a mock draft as you can get on the doorstep of the big day. And I just want to run through this and we'll we can critique it. We can, you know, analyze it, see what we think here. But he has the Denver Broncos, Zach, after talking to everyone he has, taking not Devin White at pick 10, Devin Bush. And one of the rationales that he has here, based on what he's heard Eric talking to his sources, is that, of course, Vic Fangio and Jim Harbaugh had a four-year working relationship in San Francisco. Fangio was Harbaugh's defensive coordinator. And even though the focus had been on Devin White for the Denver Broncos, the attention turned to Devin Bush after Fangio had a conversation with Harbaugh in which Harbaugh more than vouched for Bush, saying that he could be the best linebacker that he has ever coached or seen, which is extremely high praise. And it might sound like hyperbole on a podcast, but if that's what Jim Harbaugh said to Vic Fangio and the Broncos clearly have a need, it makes sense. And there's, I think it's it's pretty dang good odds too, Zach, that Devin Bush is going to be there at pick 10. We've kind of gone back and forth on whether or not we think the value is right for for a linebacker at 10, Devin Bush at pick 10. I think both of us have kind of gone on record as saying we could live with a Devin Bush in the first round if the Broncos trade back. But if push comes to shove and Devin Bush is the pick at, at, at 10, what would your thoughts be on that? I, I wouldn't hate it. I, I think it's a little too early uh, for Devin Bush. I'd prefer him in a trade down a few spots lower and pick up an extra pick. Uh, but I can't hate on having a rangy, athletic, coverage inside linebacker finally can solve the Broncos' long-standing woes against tight ends and running backs and that missing piece in that Fangio defense. And Peter King said it best a couple weeks ago. He said Fangio froths over the idea of sticking a stud inside linebacker between Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. That's the missing piece there. You have those three backers. That's a scary defense. So he's not my first pick. Obviously, I'm a big fan of Devin White. I like Drew Lockett in round one. Uh, but I would not cry any tears shed at all if it was Devin Bush at 10. Yeah, I totally agree. And if you're looking at flooding the roster <clears throat> with a, a player who can impact 2019 and elevate your defense, I mean, that's a guy right out of the gates yep. who makes the team better today. Not in 2020 and beyond like it would be taking a quarterback, but today. And I think that, you know, and and Eric's on record. He goes through and even references the scouting report he did in Finding Broncos on Devin Bush that, you know, he's got some work to do as a coverage linebacker. But the upside in that idea is that he'll he'll be working under a head coach in Vic Fangio who is, 
I mean, that's his specialty, the linebacker position. He gets results. So if you're looking for, you know, signs that a, a player like Devin Bush, who has some cons to, despite all his pros, he does have some cons to his game. A guy, Zach, like Vic Fangio is exactly the right type of coach to get that out of him and help him reach his ceiling. And, and a funny little aside about uh, Harbaugh, Vic Fangio actually got the practice jersey idea from Harbaugh in San Fran. So it's obvious that he has his opinion as a very uh, you know high value. So if he thinks that uh, Bush can fit in this defense, hey, he'll be the pick at 10. Okay, let's uh, let's go here. Now, that's, that's what uh, Eric's projecting, pick 10 on Thursday night. For me, I still think that I'll be surprised – if the Broncos, let's say at pick 10, Drew Locke sitting there or Dwayne Haskins, I'll still be surprised if Elway does pass on a quarterback just being that the Broncos are sitting at pick 10 and it's going to be, you know, if they end up having a solid season, even an average season, they're going to be picking, you know, late teens probably in 2020, which you can always try and package a trade to get into the top five, top 10, top five, but that's assuming that a team's going to let you do that and that you know, competing teams who might also want to be trading up will allow that to happen. So there's no guarantee if you kick the can down the road this year, as we talked about on the podcast many times, if you kick the quarterback can down the road another year, there's no guarantee you're going to just by virtue of saying that the 2020 QB class is, is good, you know, that's not going to guarantee you Justin Herbert. It's not going to guarantee right. you Jake Fromm or Tua. So, in other words, if you're going to strike while the iron's hot, you're going to make hay while the sun is shining. Well, you're sitting at pick 10, the sun's shining. So that's why I'll still be surprised if the Broncos pass on a Drew Locke or a Dwayne Haskins at 10 if they're on the board. But if if it isn't quarterback, just the way we kind of project and expect the top 10 to shake out, I can definitely see Devin Bush as a very realistic pick in terms of if you're if you're betting out there in Vegas, I could see Devin Bush being pretty solid odds that uh, you're going to come out on top. To me, it has to come down to a quarterback like Locke, Bush, or Hawkinson. It, it, at 10 if they stay there. If not a trade down, they can target a lineman. But, yeah, he's not my first choice. I, obviously, i take a quarterback at 10, and I think Elway would too if Locke is still there. But, like I said, Bush would be an excellent consolation prize. All right, so Friday will be the second and third round of the NFL draft, day two, and Trickle has at pick 41 the Broncos getting Dalton Reisner. Now, we've talked a lot about Dalton Reisner. He was a guest on the Building the Broncos podcast last week. It was a great interview, and he wants to come to Denver. I mean, he'd love to go to any team, obviously. That's what he's going to say, but it'd be a dream come true to land with the hometown team that you grew up rooting for. And the Broncos have shown a clear interest in Reisner dating back now a couple of months. So I would love this pick. If he, But the question, Zach, is, is Dalton Reisner going to be there at right. pick 41? Basically what Trickle says is that this is kind of the back end of where, what he says, to quote him, he said, I kept going back and forth with this pick. From conversations I have had, Dalton Reisner had a wide range of grades around the league from the first few picks of the second to the late second round. So even though that's what he's hearing, I really don't. I'll be surprised if Dalton Reisner's still on the board at pick 41. But, Zach, if he's there, take him all day long or twice on Sunday. 
Reisner is one of my favorite players in this draft class, regardless of position. If he's there at 41, I would run that card up to the podium. I don't think he will be. He might even be a first-rounder, but at 41, uh, that's a steal and a half. Uh, Elway even suggested that they're going to prioritize offensive line early for Mike Munchak. If they don't take alignment or trade down in round one, I think round two is the spot there. Someone like Bradbury, maybe Eric McCoy in round three. But at round two, you can get Reisner. At 41, you run that card up. I love this pick. And then he's got in round three another player we've talked long about here on the pod and also a player that has has made it onto many articles at milehighhuddle.com, the tight end from San Jose State, Josh Oliver. Now, if you're looking for the type of receiving impact that a Julius Thomas offered the Denver Broncos when he finally got healthy and made it to the field in 2012, he was able to stay healthy for Peyton Manning, and he had back-to-back seasons of double-digit touchdowns as a tight end, two Pro Bowl berths. That might not necessarily be Josh Oliver out of the gate, Zach, but he's that type of a receiving weapon. And whereas Julius Thomas didn't have the acumen or the interest or wherewithal to be a blocker, I mean, when he was on the field, it telegraphed to defenses that Broncos were throwing, even if it was first down. Josh Oliver, he is a more accomplished blocker. And even though that's not his forte, you know, he's not exactly TJ Hawkinson here. He's got the want to. He's got the passion and the desire to become a complete tight end. He already offers more in that department than Julius Thomas ever did. And so I think there at pick th- at round three, I should say, I'd be, I, I, you know, I was kind of hoping Oliver would last until the fourth round, but mm-hmm. I'd be completely okay with the Broncos hedging their bets against not possibly getting him in round four with taking him here in round three. I was going to say when I saw this mock, the third round was a little high for Oliver. And then Rapsheet actually reported that Oliver is among players who can go on the top 100 in the draft in real life. You know, So it, the third round, if he's rising that much, I would grab him in a heartbeat. The Broncos don't need this Travis Kelsey type. They still have Jake Butt. They have Fumagalli. They have Hireman. It's going to be a committee. But they're looking for a good blocker, looking for a guy who has pretty sure hands. Flacco loves his tight ends. And I'm of the mind you have to continue building up this offense. you got to continue keeping the cupboard uh, supplied. And you do that by drafting offensive linemen, drafting uh, tight end, drafting a receiver late in the draft. So I like the way Trickle is thinking. The offense needs more work. And uh, he's a tight end the Broncos like the most in this class. i got no problem with it. Yeah. And from what we're hearing, obviously the Broncos – need to find tight ends who have the acumen to be become good blockers for him. I mean, that's what this type of an offense demands. That You need to be able to, to field a blocking tight end. But what they're also after is a tight end with the athleticism and size and speed to stretch the seam because they haven't really had that for a while. Even though you saw Case Keenum, every time he threw down the seam, it was an interception last season. The Broncos in the West Coast offense, which is what Bill Musgrave ran the last year and a half he was in Denver, it was but you know built on the bones of the West Coast offense. You need that type of a player. Your inline tight end has to be the type who can attack the seam. And Joe Flacco's unafraid to work that part of the field, and he's got the arm to fit the ball in there. So I would be completely happy with Josh Oliver at pick three. And honestly, I'm looking at these first three picks and trickles mock. And by the way, you guys go read this article. It's a compelling read. It's a, it's a fun read, and you'll learn something too. But if this ended up being the Broncos' first three picks in the draft, even though Love I would it. be slightly disappointed that no quarterback was there at 10, this would be about as good as I could hope for in an alternative yeah. set. Yeah, I mean, like you said, if I think in real life they'll go QB within the first three rounds, uh, but for a non-QB scenario, this is pretty much ideal for me. I love it. I could not agree with Trickle's mindset more. And for what it's worth, he does have the Broncos, as John Elway said, 
in his pre-draft press conference that they do want to add a fourth quarterback, and then he contradicted himself, saying well, not necessarily in the draft, even though he said in the draft. And it's kind of bizarre, actually, that particular comment, too. But the Broncos are planning on adding one more quarterback, and Trickle has them taking the Northwestern product, Clayton Thorson, later on in the mid to late round. So go read that mock. But in the meantime, Zach, I think that'll do it for today's episode unless there's anything you want to get off your chest, any bold predictions for Thursday night? Bold predictions? I, I see Elway executing at least one big trade. Whether that's trading down to round one or trading back up into round one, I see Elway after a couple years of being stagnant in the first couple rounds, he's going to make some moves, Shed. Is Kyler Murray going number one overall? Yeah. I think that's all been the smoke screens that build up Josh Rosen's value. It's going to be Murray and then Bosa one and two. And then after that, it gets tricky. Hmm. Will the Jets take another defensive lineman at three in Quinn and Williams, or will they take – they need edge. They need pass rush. Josh, Josh Allen sitting right there. At Oliver. All, yeah. I mean, almost every other edge rusher besides Bosa will be available to him at three. It's going to be exciting. And one thing I've heard, Zach, and this might affect the Broncos at 10, is that this idea of everyone not just penciling in Devin White to the Bucks at five, but writing it in Sharpie. Yeah. I'm – the last buzz I've picked up is that the Bucks aren't thinking off-ball linebacker at five. That's that's not what they need. So they're transitioning to a 3-4 defense. They still have um, Levante David, even though they lost Quan Alexander to the Niners. They still have some talent at that position. They might look elsewhere in terms of flooding the roster with an impact player. So who knows? You know, I, I wouldn't be completely stunned or shocked if Devin White ends up slipping and might even be there at 10. I can see a corner or uh, a uh, offensive lineman for Tampa Bay, or I can see a trade down for them. And if not, uh, Devin White does fit a need there, but Levante David, like you said, is a great need. Uh, he's a great player, excuse me. I don't think White will be there at 10. I think and if he drops past the Bucks, another team's going to come up for him. But this is going to be a wild round. And even Elway said there's he doesn't see a lot of movement in front of him, but you never know this time of year. I just happen to think by the Broncos pick in terms of how Denver's concerned, they're going to make some moves. Will a team, last question, and we'll get out of here, will a team like the Redskins, Dolphins, or Bengals leapfrog a team like Denver at 10 to get into the top 10 for a quarterback? Supposedly, the hot rumor right now is the Redskins want Haskins, and they're willing to come up to five or so to get him. That would be a, a shock. I don't really see that happening because he might follow them anyway, but they're hot on his trail. They want a quarterback, and among those teams, Chad, in that race, Dan Snyder is going to rock this draft. <laughs> Well, actually, one more, one more. Your thoughts on does John Gruden take a quarterback at four? Uh, it depends who's there. I think he wants Kyler Murray. I think Drew Locke reminds him too much of Derek Carr. He wants that playmaker, and that's what I picked up at the Combine, that they're not that sold on Derek Carr. But unless Murray's there, I think he'll either trade out of the pick or take a defensive uh, prospect there. They have to do something for that defense after losing Khalil Mack. Yeah, my prediction is that it's either a crazy offensive skill position way too high, like DK Metcalf, Metcalf or yep. TJ Hawkinson, or a defensive player. I don't think they're going to go quarterback. That's just my take. But uh, you know what? We're going to know soon enough. As we record this, the draft is 24 hours away. By the time you guys are listening to it, it's even less than that. So we're going to have a resolution on all our questions sooner than later. But uh, in the meantime, you guys, make sure you are following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. There's still time for you to get your creative review in on iTunes and leave your five-star rating and be in the running for that giveaway that we're going to announce some Mile High Huddle swag on Friday night. 
Well, you'll listen to it and hear it Saturday. So we might even announce it on social media Friday night. We'll see how it shakes out. But there's time for you to leave your review. So get that done. You can find my partner here, Zach Kelberman, on Twitter at Kelberman247. Myself, at Chad and Jensen. The boys at Building the Broncos will be in the saddle Thursday evening to record a gut reaction type episode to what happens in round one. So you have something to listen to Friday morning. And then Zach and I will be back with that episode Saturday. So in the meantime... We'll uh, we'll see what happens with the Denver Broncos. It's going to be an interesting 24 hours. We look forward to covering it. And make sure you are bookmarking the website, milehighhuddle.com, because Zach and I are going to be cranking out all kinds of content on what the Broncos do in the draft, and you're not going to want to miss a single article. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you soon. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.